welcome to the NC Real Estate Podcast. I hope you are so well this week. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club and also its Property Investment Mastery Facebook community. If you haven't joined that yet, please come and join it. I'm going to put the link below this podcast. For those of you who were thinking, oh, I might join the members club. Unfortunately, it is now closed. The doors are shut until some point next year, which is yet to be decided. So if you missed out on that opportunity, you need to get yourself on my mailing list. And to do that, just join the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group and put your email address in, in the questions that I ask when you join. From there, I'll put you on my mailing list and you will be the first to know when the Members Club opens at some point next year. Okay, so today I have got a really exciting podcast. We're going to be talking about the truth about property management. Property management is where my career in property started and I have a really, really exciting guest. I've got Mina Jenkins with me. Woo! (laughs) Hi Mina, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Natasha, how are you doing? I am very good, thank you. Thank you for coming and agreeing to be on the podcast. No problem at all. I'm very excited. I feel like we've talked about this for a very, very long time. (laughs) I haven't worked with you previously in smashing property management together. I think it's about time. I think it's about time Um, too. I know. (laughs) Um, So, Everyone, um, yeah, I'm Romina Jenkins. I worked with Natasha before in a company called Mars Commercial. Um, and from then on, I worked in CBRE as a property manager, looking after assets in central London, mainly residential, um, and then moved on from CBRE to JLL to manage commercial. And now I've got over the whole corporate thing. I've decided to join a small client side company where I do um, basically a similar thing at JLL, commercial property management, but more client side. So I just feel like I have the reins on things a lot more than working for clients like I did at JLL. So yeah, I've done like a variety of things. So. <laughs> so we first met when I was on secondment for the Sloan Stanley Estate and you were... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> this was years <laughs> ago. That's how it, that's exactly how it all started. That was seven years ago. Wow, yes, that was. So Sloan Stanley was the first estate where we met each other and we were client side then. I was on secondment yeah. from my uh, firm that I was working in. So I went client side and I was working mornings, I think, for yeah. Sloan Stanley as the commercial property manager. Yeah, you did. I think I think you did like odd mornings and then some, day, some days you do like a Friday or a Monday sometimes. Yes. I think you did a full day now and then, but yeah, you'll do like a, a morning and then back on the agency side. So you're going from client to agency, client to agency, <laughs> client to agency. <laughs> and you, you were always client side at the time. I was, yeah, I was purely client. And um, yet again, I was doing just purely residential property management. Um, yeah, very, very beautiful flats along the Kings and Fulham Road. It was, it was very nice properties to manage and a very interesting client to manage for actually I think you would agree would you not yeah it's very individual estate to work on where money wasn't so much the issue in that we had to be looking after our tenants to make sure that they always had a really great experience exactly I think there were 
they were more about making your experience living or doing business with them as an experience of this is how Stallone Stanley do it. So it would be a matter of them making their mark on you and wanting to be on the estate. So um, wanting to be on that end of Fulham Road or wanting to be on that Kings Road, that property, because um, the quality of um, kind of customer service and we kind of dealt with tenants, didn't we, as customers, like as John Lewis with their customers, like trying yeah. to provide really high-end understanding service, um, which was which is completely different probably to what I've done in a very long time now. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> truthfully, obviously, back then money was not an issue. The whole thing was to make sure that you know, the whole thing, customers always right. Um, yeah. You know, always making sure they're happy. And obviously it was ideal where our office was located as well, right in the middle of it all. So it was a matter of just popping in, having a cup of tea or arranging a little coffee and bluebird and just talking it out, wasn't it? Just To the just tenants, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was that was really heavily, heavily tenant-focused and yes, it was yeah. it was good to have that kind of relationship with tenants because it meant that actually we could sell units based upon landlords experience tenants would pay slightly more rent for that because yeah. they heard about how great it was to be on the estate and once they were in as the landlord or us acting on behalf of the landlord we got to give the tenants whatever they needed to a certain yeah. extent yeah <laughs> yeah but i think what what amazing thing about the estate was, in a way, excuse the sirens, um, I think it's it was great that actually I didn't take anyone on board as well. They really cared about what kind of like community in a way they were creating. Mm-hmm. So it was, it mattered what kind of shop was going in where, like you couldn't just chuck anything in or any restaurant and just taking anyone on because they want some kind of income. Yeah. Which... I think is commercially, as I've learned, I think it's actually really key yes. to create a community and to create like a safe, not safe, um, that's another thing altogether, but um, just creating a sector where, you know, you pop in and you think, oh, I'll do a bit of shopping, I have a bite to eat and, you know, I'll get all my bits all the same time in that little section, which I think uh, Kings and Fulham Road works in a way of how they've created the estates. Um, yeah. Don't you agree? I, yeah. Completely, I completely agree. There was a lot of thought into tenant mix. How, yeah. are, how are our tenants going to be laid out? And I, that was one of the key things which made that, that estate a success, wasn't yeah. it? All the tenants yeah. got on with each other really well. Yeah. Even- really well. They, I mean, like, they used to contact us over Christmas and were like, yeah, we all got together. We're all going to do, like, little games. So I think, like... Um, over Easter they all had like an Easter egg hunt where they'd have these like beautiful eggs and children would get involved and like they had to guess how many eggs and what kind of egg in each shop and there'll be like prizes that each shop put together for like different levels and I just thought oh my god that's so creative and that's such a positive thing to do and they're all working together and like it was just genuinely it was like live and work Chelsea kind of atmosphere where you know you because they had the residential aspect, all the tenants knew each other, all the neighbours. It felt like it was a community, and it was amazing to see. Because I feel like 
you don't really see it as much. I mean, I think they're trying to create the mix now with the whole new builds where you have apartment blocks and you have, you know, everything conveniently there. And I think I've seen um, in the, uh, basically one of my partners when he moved into Lewisham and they, I think they're called Fizzy Apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, when they moved in, basically they created... Um, like a, a apartment warming where they had a rooftop terrace and they put drinks together, invited all the neighbours. So in hopes that everyone can like meet each other. Mm-hmm. I think you that's know. really important. And how did you find yeah. that when you were working on residential management? Did you find that you would do things like that? Or once you'd moved across from Sloan Stanley, you jumped over to CBRE and you're working on a big yeah. portfolio there. And that was predominantly residential, wasn't it? Yes, like CBRE was very residential. I mean, actually at CBRE, they they did care about their tenants quite a lot, but they were high-end tenancies. They were central London prime, so around Covent Garden, Portman Square, uh, Knightsbridge, you know. um, They did care about their tenants. They did, I mean, I don't think they took that much of initiative of like throwing drinks and stuff, Um, like, like a welcoming drinks or anything like that I think they do try and do like gifts um and obviously if they have got commercial units that are part of the estate they do try and you know encourage some kind of discounts or some kind of um offers for the residents who live on their estates but I think on because I think a lot of the areas oh actually some of them actually the concierge area um they do over Christmas put little things together like you know little um, mince pies and things like that for mm-hmm. tenants you know just put a message out on the boards being like oh you know all the neighbors are welcome. we're having like a gathering um just to wish everyone a merry christmas like having mince pie and a glass of prosecco so yeah they do do it but i think it's it depends if it's an apartment block they'll do it in a concierge area which is lovely mm-hmm. or like a terrace a shed yeah. terrace but i guess if you're in more of a above a shop kind of net terrace or you know that kind of tenant above shop units mm-hmm. I feel like it's not as present because um, I think it's quite a lot more difficult to get people together it's just such a mixture environment is it some people are like love things like that and love to get to know everyone and know who's living where who's who and others just want to like keep themselves to themselves and just have zero interest in mm-hmm so as a property manager, how would you how do you feel that doing things like that for tenants really helps your uh, your ability to manage a property, giving them like welcome drinks and celebrating them being there and almost saying thank you for being our tenant? Yeah. Does that how does that help? <laughs> really expensive that. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think it's it's always good. I think it's very important to meet your tenants. And actually, I believe that in commercial and residential, I think it's very important to always put a face to whoever's on the end of that email. Yeah. And I think once they meet you and they know how you come across, the emails that they read, I feel like they know you're not coming from an attitude way or kind of, because they've met you and they just think, no, she's not really like that. Oh, let's because, talk about that for a second. Yes, yes. How emails what... come across. <laughs> oh, honestly, everyone always gets the wrong end of the stick. I think every time someone reads an email, they just go, they always have like a negative perspective. Do you not think? Like, it's always very like, 
And I'm like, no, I was just, one, sometimes you just have to be factual and basic. And two, you don't want to overdo it because it's an email and you're trying to keep it professional. So it's like finding that middle balance where you're not overly friendly and you're not overly cold. Yes. Any tips and for one that? Thing, one thing I'd say <laughs> is spelling the person's name right. That's one of the biggest things, especially if it's your signature at the bottom. I think you should have enough respect to say, dear or hi, Romina <laughs> um, or Natasha. And yeah, that'd be really, I'd be really grateful if people started doing that. And I <laughs> now as well, some people don't even say anything. They just go, hi. And then they start emailing. And I'm like, I know you. I know why you just said hi. Because you're just thinking, what is it? Ramona, Romina. <laughs> Remain, <laughs> Romania. Like I know it. <laughs> okay, so but so we've got a couple of tips of advice to start off with about keeping that landlord tenant relationship strong. First thing, looking after your tenants means that they're going to stay. They enjoy um, being a tenant in your block, and you, it means we can look after them. Two, it's that face-to-face communication. Always welcoming a tenant means that they know who you are and it takes the animosity out of emails. Exactly. And number three is make sure that you're communicating in a way that's friendly but firm and remembering someone's name. Yes, agreed, 100 million percent. Okay. I just think it's very, communication is key, you know. I think... One, like you said, meet the person, get to know your tenants, get to know what they like. And actually it helps you managing them because once you've met them, you know what they like. You get a feel for them. You just think, okay, I I understand now. I understand your emails. I understand a lot of things now. Um, (laughs) And you know how to, which our job is about, manage them. Okay, so next question is, you've managed hundreds of tenants over the last, <laughs> you know, we've, we've both yeah. managed some tenants, you, and then we've had our own portfolios as well. So we know yeah. the drama, we've spent years working on the drama and, and how to successfully deal with tenants' emails. Yeah. I want to know yeah. from you, what is the process? An email comes in from a tenant, they are demanding something right now I don't know maybe the light bulb's gone out in the hallway they're really angry about it because they've just fallen up the stairs because they can't see what is your reaction going to be how do you deal with that nowadays because for a lot of people and a lot of my listeners they're going to go I hate that when a tenant texts me or they email me it like makes my tension rise and that's why I have to outsource everything for a property manager so as as a property manager how are you dealing with that and what's the quickest way of getting a resolution I think the best way is to always read the email and then ha- ring your contractor or your contact that you know. You can have a chat with and say, listen, I've got an email. She's mentioned her lights are blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you think you definitely can get in there today and just find people and just find out when they can go in? Yeah. And then I think sometimes it's really good to just give that tenant a call and just say, oh, like, I just got your email. I can't believe this. I'm really sorry about it. Uh, I've already spoken to the engineer. He said he'll be with you today, latest tomorrow. Um, this is his number. He's got your number. He said he's going to give you a call in a minute, let you know when roughly he's going to get there and this will be sorted. Um, yeah. I think it's a little thing like that. I think it's always good to kind of like 
get a like speak to an engineer in advance and just get a feel of when they can attend and things like that because when you're calling them you're giving them a solution pretty much already yeah. so they can't just go on and on and being like complaining about it because you can kind of say listen I've rang you a solution what else do you want what else would you like me to do you know what end of for me I am always like I'm the type that I love to ring people talk to people once I have a solution for them there's no point in me wasting my time going to them them asking me a million questions which I can't answer so then go to it's just backwards yeah get a solution call them back sorted yeah okay so basically the the tenant emails you you've already got someone on the line and so you've got a contractor who's prepared to come out and you phoned around many contractors until you found one that can come and then you've let the tenant know and you would say that always picking up the phone is a good idea well no not always I mean I actually yeah you're right it's not always good sometimes you have to assess the importance and the urgency and just you know it's like a lot actually you can just drop them the line and say listen the engineer's gonna turn today um this is his contact details let me know um you know but I think sometimes it's good to have a chat but sometimes it is good to have an email trail actually of how you manage the situation because you know and I know that mm-hmm. there's been situations where you have resolved the matter but they somehow suddenly forgotten that you've resolved that matter and turned it into a massive drama and, you know, make up stories. Um, with management, I do believe it is a very good idea to keep an email trail yes. on what you've uh, completed. Like if you've repaired or you've done anything, I think a back, like either back it up with an email or just send an email uh, and just keep track because me and you both probably had situations where you have resolved something but then something else came up something else came up and then this person is very delicate and they literally one day have a bad day and start throwing all the stuff at your um you know your managers or your bosses saying well I asked her to do this and she took three to four working days blah 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 which was untrue but I couldn't even back my information up because I just spoke to her on the phone and didn't back it up with an email so it's her word against mine and it's always right so yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly (laughs) keeping keeping that email trail is one of the most important things you can do and having your day do you have do you have a day book still that you keep on your desk yeah Yeah. so every so as surveyors we're always taught to keep a day book which is an a4 planner where every single page is a different day and during the day you just write down time the person you've called and what the call is about and whether you have resolved something and then from there, you can then keep file notes and then you can email everything across to your tenant um, or, yeah. or if you need to use it as evidence to show that you've done something, you can um, take photos of your day book and say, actually, I've written this in. And it's a really good way of keeping records. 100%, yeah, 100 million percent. Always back it up. Phone conversations are honestly um, not ideal. It always goes wrong. I feel like yeah so you um, need to back it up with an email yeah because I think it is true as well like sometimes people do put the phone down they'll they'll promise you the world put the phone down and then you're thinking a couple of days later I'm sure he said he's gonna go and send his contractor in to sort this out and you you drop them an email and be like oh has this been done oh no sorry um as soon as I came off the phone <laughs> this and that happened 
So it's even with contractors sometimes. Like if you ask them to do something, follow it up with an email. Yeah. Um, to be like, as discussed, please go in, access via keys or access via tenant. Just an excuse to drop them an email because contractors will always flag it as well and say, <laughs> no, that's not why I said That's not why. No, I thought you meant this. No, I thought you meant that. Yeah. So everything in email. Have the phone call, put it in email. Yeah, follow it up. So what do you think the most difficult thing about being a property manager is? Um, managing people's expectations, I guess. Mm-hmm. As much as hard as you try, um, I find that a real struggle. Um, and I think one of the current things I'd say is working with so many different agents and different solicitors and it's like herding sheep and having to like rely on people so you'll think right it's in your hands now I've left it with you thank you so much you know I can go about my business and then dropping the ball and then you know at the end of the day it's going to come back to me isn't it as a surveyor yeah I'm going to get the blame why didn't I chase it up? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Um, yeah, actually talking about this, as I'm saying, it's just having trust in people that they are reliable and they're going to get things sorted for you and just having that um, ability to trust, um, your, whether it be a contractor, solicitor, agent, anyone, it's just trusting them that the information they're giving you correct, they are being um you know, they are taking their time. They're being really careful about the information they provide. They've been accurate. They've done the research. Not just, like, trying to chuck things at you, just get them done, get the money in, you know, which mm-hmm. I know is business. But, um, yeah, it's it's very difficult, I think, sometimes to trust people and so in how, this business as well. What tips do you have for finding the right team, the contractors, the people who support you? Um. I'd say contractors who are very upfront and actually I find people who are very blunt ideal people to deal with where you ask them they don't go oh yeah we can do anything we can do anything yeah 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 like you know yeah like a yes man yeah that's we're not gonna work we're not gonna work as much as everyone wants a yes man that is not gonna work with me I need a guy who's gonna be like you know what to tell you right now we can do a b c and z but gh T and W, no. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I just think, thank you so much. Like, I'm not going to waste my time to ever think of you to do that. I'm going to go and find someone else and have someone else to tell me that they can do it. Um, so, yeah, honest. And obviously, relationship. People you've worked for a while. Yeah. And, you know, if you've done a good job and has a, um, you know, you've rang them different times. You know, my plumber that I've shared with probably the whole of Chelsea um he's just like I've worked with him for such a long time and I can't recommend him to anyone like I always don't I always recommend Jake (laughs) and he's so he's actually so good so Mina's plumber is probably the best in southwest (laughs) London because he (laughs) he books you in he gives you that time slot 
and he turns up within that time slot and on his website he's got something where you can follow where he is and then he puts down all of the prices on your quote online and then you can confirm that you're happy to pay it whilst he's there or you can decline and you can um you can say no I I don't want this but I do want this and then you know what you're paying whilst he's on the job so he doesn't go away he just stays there and that's yeah. so useful. He's got it. He's got actually that system down to a T, hasn't he? He has. And I, he's very like, he cares about his business. And he cares about, and that's the thing. Like ever since I worked with him, he's always been so trust, like so genuine. If I said to him, I'll call him like Jake. I need you out. Can you help me? He'll be like, you know what? Want to help you? Jam packed today, but can if you still want it done, you can't get. I can definitely get there tomorrow. Or he'll say. Things like, I can't get there nine to, nine to five this afternoon, but I can do it after. But I won't charge you out of hours. He's like, I'll still come out and do it for you. You know, that's the kind of contractor you want. That, you know, he wants to just come and do the job for you and he's just reliable. And, yeah, he's got such a good system going because he he does this thing, I think, as well. He's one of those people that learns from mistakes yeah. and learns from what people want. You know, he just, I think he just listens. He's so attentive to what people want and listens and understands and takes it all in rather than just consistently just, you know, like powering through, just wanting to get money and just wanting to get, you know, just using copy and paste jobby. That's my pet yeah. peeve. You know, when people just like done the same thing because it's worked, they just copy and paste, copy and just do the same thing over and over again and never explore, never try never kind of like you know it's like cooking and isn't it you just experiment now and then and you just discover things that work so much better than that's property management as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is property management you get more efficient at it over time don't you yeah, there's certain really things do. that completely work and you start going yeah. okay well this is really efficient and yeah. whereas there are things that you think oh I'm not doing that again <laughs> yeah. and I am never doing that <laughs> never doing that again for example, certain insurers. Now, there are certain uh, insurers that I would probably always use. Um, yeah. And then there are certain insurers who I find uh, difficult to even start yeah, the game process. Yeah, you have to jump through hoops, don't you, for them? Yeah. Hoops and fires and all sorts. And actually, I hate the word insurance. I know why it's there. But I just feel like they just don't want to pay you, so they'll just put in. A million things that you got to achieve and do before they'll ever pay out or do anything for you. Yeah, and so the first thing that you I always you always have to do with insurance is you have to ask um, the insurer how easy it is to make a claim. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest the biggest things I learned I've learned through being a property manager is that I need to know what the claims process is because if yeah. you have to pay ten pounds more a year for an easier claims process. I'm so on board with that. <laughs> Do you know? Because as property managers, we make um, we make a lot of insurance claims, especially when you've you've looked after portfolios the size that we have. Yeah. And I think most weeks you'd be on the phone to an insurer, wouldn't you? And yeah. not because you necessarily are going to make the claim, but because you're notifying them of a possible claim. Um, yeah. And you need like, to... Yeah, it's a potential, isn't it? There's a you po- have to put it in, There's no a matter potential. what. That's, yeah, that's a good tip of advice, everybody. 
If you've got, if, yeah. you, if you're listening to this and you think you might want to make an insurance claim, the day that that thing happens, that event happens, phone up and put your insurers on notice. It doesn't make, yeah. it really doesn't mean that you're making a claim, but there might be an event happening that you want to make an insurance claim because if you leave it too long, the insurers aren't going to allow you to make the yeah. claim. There's always, I think, like a time frame, isn't it, of, of when it happened. And, you know, I think I understand why they do it, because if you if you just like email, I don't know, a month or so later, they think you just want a bit of money, mate. Like, yeah. why didn't you call us as soon as it happened? Because obviously the whole idea of insurance is that if if something's happened, you want it dealt there and then and try and get the money back for it because you're going to rectify it yourself as soon as possible or you'll get a money back for it. So that's exactly. the whole idea. It's not it's assumed, but obviously some people. Well, the insurance, I think the history of it, I think people used to just throw in claims and just try and get a bit of money whenever they could. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree, absolutely. Get your insurance, as soon as anything happens, that's an accident, anything, just try just try and just submit it there and then. As much information as well, um, yeah. how it happened, when it happened, put as much as you can. I think insurance love that because they love asking a million questions as well when you do submit a claim. And then you so, can just say to them, this is me giving you notice of the claim. It, we might not yeah. claim. We might decide that the works aren't actually worth going through. Um, and uh, um, in which case, we're not going to um, submit in the end. So, so you really do need to be up to date with you know, what your insurance requires. That's a massive property management tip, right? Yeah, massive. Okay, I'd say carry on. Yeah. Okay. No, so I'm next question. <laughs> yeah. And um, how do you deal with? So, what what hours do you work? Do you close at five, six? Um. So yeah, I work for a Jewish company. So um, at the moment, which is ideal, on Fridays we finish about three three fifteen because of Sabbath. Um. So, and it's actually works. They're quite strong about the whole religious thing uh be, being a jewish company you have to take it seriously they like if i would ever send an email after say 3 30 or even on saturday it'd be it'll probably like be kind of thing to have a chat with Charin because it's it's very important to, it's a jewish company so you don't work during those hours at all so, um which i enjoy i'm so happy <laughs> about that um so what yeah, are you doing for your residential tenants who are who would be getting in contact with you out of hours what happens so we have an out of hours service yeah um uh and obviously the the point is that it's only emergency so obviously yeah we the contractors can come out and work but i think there'll be like a long-winded assessment of how urgent it is um if it's a, i think if unless it's like leak electricity or fire kind of you know this three key ones like flood and um, fire or electrics um mm. i think it will have to wait until monday okay and so do you know it's mad um but I, but I actually think that's quite a good thing we've always I've, i think we've always worked on portfolios where we've done that haven't we we yeah, always said much, yeah, out of hours yeah. out of hours service it's something that's kind of standard in the property management industry yeah. how do you yeah. tell your tenants do you just send them a letter and say this is the policy this is the number that you can call afterwards yeah yeah pretty much just to say like we kind of let them know that this is a jewish firm 
um, and it is unlikely you'll get any response during Sabbath, so like between these times and during these periods. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, if the matter is, you know, really urgent and it's an emergency, like I just said, um, please contact this number. But like, just be aware that you will not get hold of like anyone in our office um, yeah. to until Monday. To I mean, it starts going back to normal in March or April. Um, but it's only a couple of hours on Friday. Yeah. Um, and yeah it, but so it's, it's not too bad. It's a good thing to have, isn't it? It's a good thing to have in yeah. place. And I think, as I was saying, we've had it in all portfolios when we were... Every, every single company I've, had, I've worked for has out-of-hours service, and I even have it on some of my buildings now. I use um, Adivo. Oh, yes, good old Adivo. <laughs> You've used them yeah. on a lot. Of, you've used them on loads of your portfolios, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, loads. Um, they're like everywhere. I think because they actually were the first, one of the first ones to start it, weren't they? They were. Initially, yes. um, there is now quite a few ones around. Uh, I can't think actually at the top of my head who JLL and CBRE used. Um, but yeah, I have used them a lot. They they're great. It's always good as well. I have to have like a key holding company. Do you remember we have them as well? Yeah. So they're, they're perfect as well, aren't they? Just in case in an emergency you need to get into property, there's always a key available from this company who will come out and, you know, let you in. And they're called the key holding company. The only yeah. thing I would say, if you've got a small property portfolio, if you've got like three or four properties, they're actually quite expensive. They become... Yeah, they are more cost effective the more properties you have so if you've only got a couple of properties then you just need to have a key safe on the outside of your property where there's a spare set of keys I think that's a cheaper alternative yeah yeah key holding is more for yeah quite if you have quite a lot like a large portfolio and you know or yeah literally large actually you're right we had like what 150 350 Elaine Stanley wasn't it yeah. something like that so, so yeah it was well it was really worth it but when you've got three or four holding keys for 75 pounds a month doesn't yeah doesn't work really doesn't yeah. work I did used to look at the price and I was like Jesus <laughs> it's expensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, for anybody listening who is and I've got some listeners who are really excited about getting into the property industry and they are thinking about what they can do next should we go mm. through the like why is why is being a property manager such a good thing to do as part of your career yes let's do it you start <laughs> <laughs> I think for me the biggest thing about property management is the fact that you get involved with the strategy you get involved with the day-to-day managing of a property in fact property management I always say it's like the backbone of property because you're you're part of everything yeah from I agree acquisition to disposal and it teaches you so many skills honestly it's I think that's why I've been in property management for so long and it's something that I can't see myself stepping away. Sometimes I do have thoughts like, mm, I want to try something. But then sometimes I just genuinely do love my job. Like I I just find myself always doing such different things each day, coming across such variety of issues, um, dealing with such different people. Um, it's honestly, I find it really, really enjoyable. And um 
management is always about you know resolving issues and it just feels like such an accomplishment as well when you've really yeah it's really like you've really achieved something and feel good about it yeah it's one one of my key things like I love feeling good I love when or when you like um you've got a portfolio that's like or like a site that's fully let making loads of money like the service charges smashing it and making it in such a great site where everything's managed so smoothly tenants are you know so happy and you look at the site and you genuinely look at it and think I, I managed this. I made it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a nice feeling. And I think management teaches you a lot of skills as well. It teaches you how to be organized, really on top of things, because you have to be. Yeah. It teaches you negotiation skills, because you've always got to negotiate with the tenants and make sure that they're paying the right sum of men, rent, they're on the right, um, the right kind of length of tenancy it fits with the client's strategy um I think it also teaches you a lot of patience you have it to does. be patient you have to be patient and I think as well as like I've come on the client site commercially you have to be savvy like you need to actually do your research and do listen and just keep yourself in a loop and you know when you do site visits and things like that just get ideas so my sites, obviously, I'm just going to give you a bit of insight. Obviously, now I'm client side and I do commercial and a bit of residential as well still. Um, my sites are everywhere. Like I was in Gosport today. I didn't even know where Gosport was until I went there and it's near Portsmouth, apparently. Um, <laughs> and then I have some sites in Colchester. Like, they are everywhere. And, um, you know, I'll go, I'll go to my site and some people will probably just go to their site, look at their site and that's it. I think it's really important to like walk around your where your site is, look at the high street, look at things around, mm -hmm. especially commercially. Because things change, but and you need to be aware of that area's kind of um, area, what's the dynamic, what's happening, what they like, what kind of the feel is. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking after your commercial units, you know, when you've got agents coming with all these offers of different um businesses that would like to go into your units you do need to think not just put anyone in but have a little think about actually when I was around I didn't really see any of those so this might really work or oh they've got loads of those calves all along that street why you know they're gonna struggle to make money around there so yeah. I enjoy things like that and I think it's yeah it's really important to pay attention to the bigger picture as a property manager always look at the bigger picture I think I'd say and be savvy, do do like do your research, listen to what's happening, be aware. Because yeah, like you said, you have to negotiate and you and when you're making decisions, um, you have to try and make the most reasonable ones, you know, for your client or for, you know, with your best interest and show them that you're competent enough and, you know, mm -hmm. the right thing by them. Yeah. By your yeah. Okay, so I think we'll shortly finish up on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but do you have any final tips of advice about property management? Any final thoughts? Final thoughts, I'd say. Um, yeah, just, you know, remember to enjoy your job. Remember what you're doing it for. Don't, you know, do create relationships. Uh, like me and you have met amazing people, different solicitors, agents throughout our career, obviously separately and together. 
and um I think yeah just enjoy it some people obviously just bog themselves down maybe with a lot of negativity and I've had that before yeah where property management can become constant like no one will ring you with a good news someone will ring you and email you with bad news only unfortunately that's what management is and I think sometimes you do get a little bit bogged down being like oh I swear to god if I get one more issue (laughs) one more email I am done but yeah just like yeah learn to balance you know look at the good stuff as well and get out there meet people network you never know who you're going to meet property management is great to have relationships in all sorts of sectors you'll be surprised when you really really need someone or when you met someone you thought oh my god I know someone who does this like you just (laughs) you just never know (laughs) yeah I think that's my my best tip thank you Mina for coming on the podcast today no problem at all thanks for having me Natasha that's my pleasure. Okay, so if you've liked this podcast, don't forget to hit like and press subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcast through so that you get this first thing on a Tuesday morning. And if you want to come and join me on my Property Investment Mastery community, head on over to um, www.ncrealestate.co.uk where you can find all of the details. And I'm going to put the links below. Thank you so much for joining us this week and I will catch up with you again soon.